In this week's episode, I chat with mindfulness coach and life enthusiast Tanika Steens about mindfulness, NLP, infidelity, being an adoptive mom, and so much more. In this very raw episode, you may hear some background noise, and part of it has been edited for sound quality. Please note that she discusses her religious faith as part of her unique perspective. At the Mental Health and Wealth Show, we believe that we can learn from a variety of different perspectives, even when they don't match our own. Hope you enjoy the show, and thank you so much for being on this journey with us. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing Tanika Steens, a certified life coach, spiritual mentor, certified mindful instructor, motivational speaker, and minister. She is a relationship expert, practicing reconciliation and restoration, healing the mind, body, and soul to reconstruct the mind frame and renew relationships on all levels. Love it. As a mother raising five school-aged children, she speaks to other mothers through her blog, Mommy Needs a Nap. What a great name. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just kick it right off. And, you know, so you are working as a mindfulness coach and also a transformational life strategist. I'd love to hear about your personal journey that inspired you to start this work. Well, um, I can say probably six years ago is when it all began. My husband was laughing. He's like, you should be a life coach. And I'm like, yeah, nobody's going to listen to me. He's like, people listen to you all the time. People are telling you their stories and you're helping people out and you don't get paid for it. (laughs) And I'm like, well, and, and, and my thing is being in ministry, I always feel like I don't need to get paid to tell people about God. And he was like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He's like, but people call you and they reach out to you and they lean on you. And he said, you should make this a practice. And so I started looking into it. And that's when I started learning about NLP, Neurological Linguistic Pro- um, Programming. And I really liked it because there's a lot about the brain in our language and how things work and are connected together. And so I started researching that. And then I took a course and I got certified in it. Now, a year ago, I started practicing mindfulness like right before COVID. And I was like, you know, I needed to be able to marry the NLP with mindfulness and figure out how it all could come together. And so I started researching the Bible on it and it just brought me back to Jesus. And this is what he came to teach. He came to transform us through the renewing of our minds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my niche. This is what I've been missing. And so I was able to marriage those two together because it's all about our language and it's about listening to understand and about being present in the moment and actually not listening to respond, 
but listening to actually connect and understand where someone else is coming from. And I think that's what divides us so much is that we're so quick to want to have our opinion or to say what we feel when we don't take the time to see the other side of things. And so that's how mindfulness has helped me in relation to marrying that and the NLP together. And then, like I said, a year ago, um, before COVID, my husband had um, his artery busted and he had 1% chance to live. And oh, then we man. had these children. Yeah. <laughs> so we had, um, yeah, I mean, it was so much going on because we had got our nieces and nephews out of foster care that had been there for two years and we were working diligently to get them out. And it was a lot of stress and a lot of court battles and things back and forth. And plus it was family. So it was really sensitive, you know, and trying to be mindful of this is family and we're trying to do the right thing and trying to do right by these children. And then it was so much stress. And then my husband was working vigorous hours and, you know, it was so much going on and we almost lost him. And right after that COVID hit and then I had a mental breakdown. I mean, I totally just like melded and I've always been strong and the matriarch and the one that everybody leans on. But at that point I was melting and I hadn't slept for eight days. Oh my goodness. And and my family is like, you need to rest. And I'm like, I am resting. And I thought everybody else was losing their mind when I thought I was, I thought I was normal. I was walking around like I'm normal (laughs) and I'm the one in control of everything. Yeah. And so I ended up in the hospital for a week or so. And while I was there, I was able to reflect. I felt like that was a time for me to be able to relax and release and reflect. And while I was there, I started taking notes and I started journaling. And I decided when I get out of here, I'm going to revamp this business. I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to connect with the mind. I'm going to help people because what better time than now when people are going through things and I can relate. You know, before I was on the outside helping people, but now I'm really on the inside of it. And I really am at the core of how this really affects you, mind, body, and soul. And so I changed the name to Your Full Mind Life because in order to have a full life, you have to have a full mind. And you got to get your mind mentally prepared because things happen. COVID, nobody expected that. You know, we go through life and we go through the day-to-day programming that we are used to. But when something interrupts our programming, we don't know how to respond. And then that's when we have the breakdowns, anxiety, the, de- the depression. And what I've learned in learned is those things are all emotions that we can control. But the only way that you can control them is if you are in control of your thoughts and your mind has to be in the right place. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, You know, it sounds like you had gone through so much in the past year with you know, having these revelations about what you needed to do with your life, using mindfulness as a tool to really stay present. And I'm so glad you mentioned mindfulness because I actually studied mindfulness through this eight-week program online, I think last August, so almost a year ago. And it really helped me kind of get out of that anxiety spiral that COVID had produced in me to be like, let's stay present in the moment because that's literally all we have. You know, we have the past, which is already gone, and we have the future, which isn't here yet, but we need to enjoy the moment to moment. And you are managing so many obligations with raising children and running a business and, you know, dealing with with illness. And so I really want to applaud you and everything that you have gone through and everything that you are doing. And I'd love to hear more about NLP. And I'm, I'm actually not super familiar with NLP. So I'd love to hear about what that is and like how you help people with that. 
Okay, well, NLP and mindfulness to me go closer in hand than how it is formed with hypnosis because hypnosis is about the deep relaxation state of mind. But most of the time, people don't know how to relax. They don't yeah. know how to go that deep to relax. And it can be scary when you do get in such a relaxed state of mind that, you know, mindfulness is not about not thinking or or not um, being conscious of anything, but it's about clearing your mind and having a focus point. And so usually what we do is focus on the breath and it's about your breathing. And most what I've learned is people are breathing wrong. And it's so funny because when I started learning how to breathe the correct way that I was taught to breathe, it just eases so much. But with the NLP, it's about a tapping thing. And so it's not about someone laying you back and putting a little, like you see on television, they're putting this little thing across you. No, it's about just going into a deep state and being mindful of the state that you're in. And so what you do is you take a moment and you take a deep breath, you just inhale through the nose. But when you do that, you expand your belly. It's weird because normally yeah. we breathe with our bellies going in. We like, you know, but no, you inhale and your belly expands like it's filling up like a balloon. And then when you exhale, you deflate and you pull your belly back. And so it's sort of the opposite. And so you have to practice on that. And so you're focusing on your breath which is clearing your mind, you can't really think about all these other things that's going on. So once you are able to relax and you start thinking about something that is focal to you, say, for instance, if you want to think about, okay, this business that you're starting, you're visualizing this in your mind. But as you're visualizing that, first you breathe and then you get a point of, I want to say a point of contact and you focus on that. But when your mind starts to wonder, you come back to the breath. And so it's not going to put you in a trance to where you go to sleep or you're unconscious or you're not aware of what's going on around you because I can practice it like watching television. And my mom, she's, she's like, are you asleep? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I hear everything that's going on around me, but I can tune it out and see what happens is we normally don't know how to quiet our minds. And so it's about quieting your mind. So you can allow that energy to come in and to relax you. Now, some people can fall asleep doing it. And so I recommend if you are someone that might fall asleep, then stand up and do it. Do it for three minutes or, or however long. Like I, I say, when you start out, start out a minute at a time and then add a minute to it. But um, you can stand up, you can lay down, you can sit. And so in reality, when you can visualize something, you can make, manifest it and you can make it come to life. And so you know that waterfalls are real. But if you've never seen one before, you don't even know how to visualize it, right? But if you put something in your mind and you start to think about what does that look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? You know, you can really shape those things within you and you can manifest those things and bring them to life. But you have to focus. And again, nine times out of 10, we don't focus. And so that's why people think it's about hypnotizing. You're hypnotizing me into believing something else. No, it's not because you're only going to believe what you believe. And that's what shapes us, are our core beliefs. And so a lot of times that's what holds us back is because of these things that we were brought up on, that we were taught, that we think and the superstitions and the myths and all of this stuff. But when you take it all away, take off all of those layers and just really relax and understand that 
what do I really believe? What's really real to me? What's really true? You can alter your reality and make it real. And it's not about fantasizing about purple hearts and yellow diamonds or whatever, (laughs) like lucky charms. It's not about that. It's about just really becoming one with yourself and getting in tune with who you are inside because we internalize everything. And that's where our diseases come from. That's where our anger comes from. That's where depression and anxiety, all of those things come from being internalized. And when you start to tap in and realize that, oh, those things are just thoughts and I can change those thoughts. I can change how I feel about them. I may not be able to make them go away because what I've learned is you're going to have anxiety on certain things. You may not ever be able to get anxiety go away. But what you can do is recognize that you have this anxiety and then you can redirect your energy and say, you know what, I'm not going to let that overcome me. And so it's not being hypnotized. It's just a retraining of your brain and how your brain is triggered. And so it's just a connection. And some of us, well, they say we only use 10% of our brain. We don't even use the other 90% of it. (laughs) And so think about that when you're really starting to focus and become one with your internal self, you are energizing that other 90% and electrifying your brain to charge up. And that motivates you more. It gives you more energy. It helps you to be less stressful. It helps you to be more happy and more joyful. And when you start seeing things in a different perspective, because they say, if you change the things you see, the things you see will change. And so you have to see it in a different light. If you see everything as negative, then it's going to be negative. If you see everything as I'm a failure, then you're going to be a failure because those are the things that you're speaking into yourself. But when you honestly just are quiet and you are relaxed and you are allowing yourself to be free in that moment to not worry about what's going to happen next. You don't know. Right now, we don't know what is going to happen next. And we truly can't really prepare for it. But what we can prepare for is whatever happens, it's going to be okay. And we're going to get through it. Yeah, I love that. I think you've mentioned so many good points about how we can really use our mind as a filter. And I like that you said that, you know, we may not ever be able to get rid of anxiety, but we can manage it better with this tool and as a toolbox. And I remember when I started learning meditation, I used to think like, oh, meditation is just like clearing my mind, not thinking at all. And really, that's not it at all. It's really about noticing your thoughts, noticing your breath, bringing it back to the present moment. And so getting in touch with your mind and yourself, kind of like you said, strengthening that other 90% of your brain, because yeah, for the most part, so many people are going on autopilot from point A to point B to point C throughout the whole day. And they're like, I don't even know what happened today. I just kind of survived. But really Mm -hmm. getting to that awareness, that mindfulness can really wake us up and live a more joyful life and also manage things better. And so now we touched on the kind of meditation mindfulness aspect, but kind of technically, how does the NLP stuff work? (laughs) Well, again, with the NLP, it's sort of like a tapping thing. So you can Mm -hmm. have like points like with sounds. So you can do like a tapping type of thing. Like emotional freedom technique kind of? Yes. Yes. Oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 
And so again, I don't practice the NLP part of it as far as that goes. I just practice more of the brain connection and the language part of it, that connectivity part. And so that's why, because it goes way deeper. It's so many levels of NLP that are, you know, I'm not even at that level. That's why I'm like, I stick with mindfulness, but <laughs> I am certified in NLP. And there are some things that I can do, but there's some things that I'm not going to do. If someone says they want me to hypnotize them, well, I don't practice hypnotism. So I can't help you with that. I can't speak to that. But as far as like the tapping and the the sensations and, and the feelings and so like auditory, visionary, those different ways that we learn and feel and see and think, those are the things that I do with NLP that connect with the mindfulness, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Is it a way of like using language to kind of rewire your brain? Is it about affirmations? Yes. Now with the language, it's so funny because words are everything and people don't understand because it's, it's, words have the power of life and death. And my mom, she'll say, oh, my back is killing me. And I'm like, mom, stop saying that. Your back is not killing you. Yeah, Your back might hurt. But if you start thinking about your back and think about the pain that you feel, really tap into that pain. And now tell yourself, I can overcome this pain. And she started doing mindfulness with me. And we did it for a whole month. And she's like, oh, my goodness, I can actually feel the pain. And I said, that's because you started to believe it. If you didn't believe it, you'd still be feeling the same way. But learning how to believe what you feel and what you think, it's, I'm not saying that it's going to cure cancer. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying it's going to take away um, any disease that you have. But what it can do is alleviate some of those stressors, alleviate some of those pains and help you to manage and to live with it. Because something, you know, people commit suicide. It's rampant, especially amongst our teens because of things that they can't deal with. But you may not be the smartest, the prettiest, the slimmest or whatever it is. But guess what? You are who you are. When you learn to embrace the power of who you are and you can live with that, it's called radical acceptance. I accept that I am flawed. I accept that I am nuttier than a fruitcake on most days. And that's <laughs> just the way that it is. But I'm not going to go harming people because of a way that I feel. I have to be in control of my actions because at the end of the day, no matter what has happened to me, no matter what I've been through, I'm the cause of how I come out of it. No one else. And I can I can share something with you that I really I really haven't shared <laughs> because this this is like the core of my total um, experience. So six years ago, when the whole NLP and all of that, and when we were going through this these court cases and all of this. My husband was turning 40 around that time and we had all these plans and all these things that we were going to do. And then life interrupted on us. I mean, things just got wacky and out of control. And, you know, I guess men have those things that they go through when they're at a certain age. And, you know, there was a rift that could have tore us apart completely. Mm -hmm. And there is outside force involved and it even produced a child mm. and you, know, you have to understand that I've never given birth to a child yeah and so um that was devastating but right around that time is when I had decided okay God I am who you called me to be 
I am this person that I say that I am. I understand what unconditional love is. I understand that people are who they are and I have no control over them. Well, you know what? Don't ever, ever ask God to test you because he will. <laughs> yeah. He will. And you know what I'm he's like? ready. <laughs> Here I am, God. Let me show you that I am ready to walk in this light the way you want me to. And when that ton of bricks hit me, all I could think of is, okay, I've got to be strong and I've got to be the person that I told God I was going to be. And I've got to, I've got to hold it together and I'm just going to pray and, and I'm going to show everybody that, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. Well, guess what? I was lying to myself and everybody else around me because I put on this great face and I smiled and I, and nobody ever knew I was showing up to meetings and I was hosting events and I was doing all kinds of things. Like I was like, like my life was perfect. And it was falling apart. And that brings me to the whole ministry of reconciliation with my husband and myself. It's like, how are we going to have this ministry of reconciliation? And we've never been through anything to be reconciled. Well, I tell you what, man. You did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and six years into, well, five years, I want to say five years after, you know, I'm holding it together and all that. And then we go through getting the kids and all of this. And then my husband going into the hospital and almost losing him. I lost it. I did. And that's what really led to my mental breakdown. It, it led to me to just be like, I can't take anymore. I don't know why I'm trying to take it. I don't know why I'm trying to make everybody think I'm so strong. I'm not strong. I can't handle this. I don't want to handle this. And I'm just going to walk away from it all. And that's when I had that time in the hospital that I was able to really recollect my thoughts and to say, you know what, Sneka, you signed up for this. You, a long time ago, when you were a little girl, you had this idea of what marriage looked like and what being a wife looked like and what having a husband looked like. And you had this perfect picture painted, but you didn't have all these other things, these other influences that could come in. But the thing is, I married my best friend. And so what happens with friends? If your girlfriend does something crazy, you're going to be right there by her side. You're going to be praying with her or you're going to be helping her get through it. And that's how I looked at it with my husband. I looked at him not anymore as my husband, but I looked at him as this is my friend. And my friend is going through something because I'm not the only one going through something. Mm -hmm. I'm going through something, but he's going through something. And somewhere along the line, I dropped the ball as a wife. And I have to take part accountability in what happened because I wasn't there emotionally. I wasn't there physically. I was, you know, out just trying to be Tanika and not be who I was supposed to be in this marriage. And so I was being neglectful. And so on that part, I have to take accountability for that. And that's about being mindful and being present because a lot of times I wasn't present, you know, and I, and like I said, I could put on a good face and I could show up and I could just make small talk with the best of them. But was that really authentic and real Tanika? And until I was broken, I was I was humbled <laughs> greatly because I um, I had to acknowledge that my life isn't perfect, that everything isn't great. Everything isn't the way that I make it to be. But it's life and it's my life and I can accept that. And when I was able to really embrace that, my husband is just like, OK, you are really somebody incredible. And I'm like, you know what? I just want you to know that I am who I told God I was. I just didn't know it. 
I didn't know I was that person, but that's the person that I wanted to be. And not that I was trying to prove anything, but just to say that, you know what? There are real, true, authentic people. And this is what unconditional love looks like. This is what not throwing in the towel looks like. This is what giving forgiveness and understanding and loving somebody through mess. And I tell I tell people, you don't love someone until you know the ugly of them. Because if you love the ugly of them, that's love. Because you can't just love what you see on like ducks on water. You can't just love the gracefulness of the ducks gliding through the water. You don't know how hard they're struggling underneath to get through that water, you know? And I'm like a duck on water. And that was my life. And until I had to have that revelation of, okay, Tanika, you think that everything is just so perfect in your world and that nothing can harm you and nothing can, you know, knock you off your game. But see, the thing is, God is a constant force. And when you don't put him first and when you continuously think you're doing things on your own and you're not giving him the credit for it, he will give you a a reality check that helps you to get things back in order. And so that's what this whole thing has been about, this whole mindfulness, this whole transforming your, um, transforming through the renewing of your mind is being renewed and understanding it's not about you. You know, you cannot just sit here and think that everybody is supposed to cater to you and everybody's supposed to let you have your way because eventually, guess what? Ugly's going to come knocking on your door and you're going to have to answer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, that was that was my wake up call. And again, it was my pride got in the way a lot. And I had to I had to eat some humble pie and I had to, you know, get myself to a point of forgiveness and understanding. Because there for a minute I was just like just going through the motions of I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I wasn't because it wasn't real. And when I got all the way real, 100 percent raw and got mindful and got in the present moment, that's when I realized that this is bigger than us. You know, it's not about if if husbands and wives are going to be together, they've got to learn how to work through all things. What does your vow say? What does that mean? And that's what true reconciliation is. And so that's what's going to bring me back to God is that we've been separated from him because of the things that we do, because of the lives that we live, because of the choices that we make, because we want to do our own thing. But he loves us anyways, and he's waiting to reconcile with us. He's waiting to forgive us. He's waiting for us to come back home because he's our friend, and he's going to always be our friend. And all we have to do is just come back and just ask for that forgiveness. And so at that point, I was like, God gives us husbands and children so we can understand what it is that he deals with on a regular basis. And so, I mean... Thank you for allowing me to share that because, like I said, I've never really talked about it and really opened up about that part of my life because I kind of leave that out because it was still like a open wound. But now yeah. it's, it's been a healing process and it's helped me to realize that what happens to you happens for you to help other people. And that someone else that looks at me and says, oh, Tanika, your life is perfect. Well, let me tell you something, girlfriend. Let me tell you about Tanika's life. You know, it's been a while to get here. (laughs) Yeah. And they realize that, wow, you know what? If you can go through that and you're who you are, then I can go through it, too. And that's why things happen to us. So we can show other people 
how to persevere and how to keep on going. So if that's what God needed me to do to show people the way, then, hey, I'll take it. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I know that could not have been easy and I'm sorry that you've had to gone through that. And I think, you know, there are so many times in life that test our boundaries and our values. And of course, it's up to us to decide, you know, is staying or going in our values, what's best for me. And, you know, those thoughts can change from hour to hour, day by day, Mm -hmm. short term and long term. And you know, I trust that you've made the right decision for you and your marriage. And I know this is a common issue for so many people who are married. I mean, infidelity is a huge issue. And kind of like you mentioned, you had this idea when you were a kid about what marriage was going to look like, what a husband was going to look like, what being a wife would look like. And I think that's part of the brutality of life in a way is that we have all of these ideas, almost fantasies in a way of what we want things to look like. And then life's like, "Mm, but this is actually how it's going to go. And it's that gap between what we wanted to happen and what did happen that causes so much misery. And, Mm -hmm. you know, four years ago, I ended a partnership of of nine years uh, because it was just not working out in the long term. And it was so devastating to me because of that gap, because I had thought we're going to be together forever. This is going to be it. And then it just, you know, wasn't. And I found myself newly single for the first time in like a decade. And that was so incredibly difficult. And I think life's biggest lessons can come from those moments where you're like, I never saw this coming. This was not what I had planned how am I going to pick up the pieces now and move on? And it sounds like you have picked up the pieces, you have put them back together and you're like, how can I take this beautiful piece of art and share it with others and help others who are on this journey? Because you're definitely not alone in what you have experienced. And, you know, it's such a tricky and and touchy subject because unconditional love I think is a concept that a lot of people don't quite understand. And also people aren't necessarily willing to go there deep like that. Um, I also think it can depend on the situation. Obviously, I think some people like for their boundaries and their self-esteem, maybe it is better to leave. And then for other people, like if, if this is your best friend and this is what works for you, then of course, like staying and figuring it out and, it's in those moments where you're like, okay, we're going to put on a united front and figure this out together, even though this is something we didn't see coming. And (laughs) I was joking with my best friend who recently got married and she's had a lot of people ask her, like, do you feel any different? And she's like, no, not really. And I was like, you're not going to really understand how hard being married is until the first time you want to (laughs) leave. Because it's when you want to leave because there's a conflict and you realize you can't easily leave that that's when you're going to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now I'm married. And now I understand this is hard because I've made these vows and it's not all easy. And, uh, we need to, uh, figure this out. And kind of like you said, it's, it's those moments that really test you and test your bond. And 
teach you so much. And that's something that I was talking at the mental health and wealth hangout yesterday with some people is like these moments that are so hard can teach us so much if we let them. But then of course there's those moments of like, like you said, I feel like I can't go on. I don't want to deal with this. Like I ended up in the hospital and of course you have to move through all of those moments first to even get into the enlightenment. And so for anyone listening, if you're in that phase where everything's hard, everything sucks, you don't know how to go on, keep going because you will get to that enlightenment point eventually if you're open to it and you try to learn the lessons that life is trying to teach you. But it's a process and it can feel like it is hurting you and killing you. And how are you going to move on? But with your story and so many other people's stories, it's like humans are such resilient creatures. And I know you mentioned that you, you haven't given birth, but you are raising five children, some from foster care. And, you know, I love your, your blog name, Mommy Needs a Nap. And so, you know, kind of given everything that you've shared, what has been your experience raising children and having this new life? Well, you know, it's so funny because, again, I, I never realized how much of a control freak I was until probably this last year, mainly, with when I have children and have a family, it's going to be this way. You know, you know, stop it. You can't control every aspect. You can't control the weather. You're not in charge of it. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, I think for the most part, we've raised some really well-rounded, healthy children. And they're all girls, one little boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so my husband, it's hilarious because he's in the house around with all these women. And he's just, yeah. I'm like, I feel so bad for you sometimes. But, um, <laughs> But we've got all these different emotions and things that's going on. But I have to step back and look and say, you know what? We've instilled the right values. We've taught you the right things. We've showed you the right way. And I try to be, I even practice mindfulness with them. They they practice mindfulness <laughs> with me at times too. Oh, I love but that. I feel like when they go out, I don't have to worry because we've done the right thing. And, and you are wise enough to make your own choices. You know right from wrong. And that comes with any human being. You know, my seven-year-old, I'm not going to allow her to go out and make her own choices. She will eat everything in the whole house if we let her. So we have to have, you know, we have to have boundaries set for her to do certain things. But the older girls, it's like, okay, you know right from wrong. I can't worry. I can't think about what you're going to be doing, what you're not going to be doing. You need to make the right choices. You need to make the right decisions. And we've got one that's 17 and she's about to go to college. Now she's got a curfew that's midnight, right? And so I was thinking about this and I go, how funny is this? In August, I won't be able to tell her what time to be home. She'll be off in college three hours away. Am I really going to be like, you better be home by midnight? No, I'm not. But on graduation night, I was like, okay, you guys can go hang out for a little while. She's like, well, where are we going to go do? And so I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to go do? And they were back home before midnight. It's funny because normally they'd be like, well, you don't ever let us stay out late or whatever. But yeah. the one night that I'm like, go do your thing. They're back home like, before no, midnight. I just want to be home with you before midnight. Right. Because now they know they have those values and they, they know their limits. And so what it's taught me is that if you continue to try to control everything, those things are going to start to control you. It will overtake your life. You will be consumed. You will fall apart. And so control what you can. And that's your thoughts. That's your reactions, your responses. 
And you've got to let people be who they are. I can't control my husband. I can't control my children. I can't control my mother. I can't control anybody. People are who they were created to be. And I think earlier I said that I said, we are all control freaks <laughs> as human beings. Mm-hmm. And when we realize that we have no control over anyone, that we just need to focus on self. And that's not being selfish. But if we get our internal selves together, then everything else will start looking right to us. But we're so busy trying to fix everybody else, we're slowly falling apart. You know, and if we quit trying to fix everybody else and take heed to who we are and what our needs are first, we wouldn't be filling the void trying to make everybody else better. Because when you're doing that, you're not focusing on the real problem. And that's you. Mm -hmm. You're the situation that needs to change. If you get yourself together and everything else around you, the way that you see it will start to change. And those are the things that I've learned. And so, you know, I think I'm a better person for it. I always thought that I was a well-rounded person. I'm an only child. And so I never, you know, and you know how only children are. I mean, come on, you know, (laughs) we have this uncanny way of knowing things and having our way and, and it's hard to share, you know, but I believe I do like to share and I am resourceful, but I had to learn some things too, that you can't always get your way. You know, and, and sometimes I blame my parents, my grandparents, because I'm like, you guys yeah. created this monster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't let me know that there's boundaries. I mean, you know, but at some point as, as a human being, I don't even want to say as adults, but at some point in our life, we have to realize that you have to know your own limits and your own boundaries. And nobody is responsible for your outcome for you, no matter what the situation is. Now, my children that were in foster care. Yeah, they've been through some hard things. But guess what? You're not in those hard things anymore. So you don't have to blame your past. You don't have to blame your mother, your fathers for whatever has happened, because now you're in a better place. And whatever happens from now, this is on you because you're responsible for your outcome. You're not responsible for what happened to you. But now you're responsible for how you make the best out of this situation. So you can have a pity party if you want to. You can sit here and act like the whole world is against you and nothing goes your way if that's what you want. But you know what you've come from. You know what's possible. So if you want something, then you've got to go for it. You've got to go and open the door. Some people are not going to open the door for you. Sometimes they might hold it for you. They might shut it before you get through. But sometimes you're going to have to open that door yourself. Sometimes you're going to have to find a way through another door if there's not a door for you to open. You know, and I think that that's what we need to be. And you said we're resilient. We are resilient people because if we don't die, we're going to keep living whatever state we're in until we leave here. We're going to continue to go on regardless if we want to or not. You're going to go to sleep at night or you're not. You're going to wake up in the morning or you're not. And if you're not going to wake up, then you don't have anything else to worry about. You've conquered it. (laughs) And I I think about that. I, I think about people. I go, people that die, they've conquered death. They're not afraid to die because they're dead. Think about <laughs> like I think about the craziest thing sometimes, but I'm like, you know, in the moment of going through, getting to the other side, what are you really going through? But once you, if somebody kills you or if you die naturally or if you're in an accident or whatever happens, if you make it through, you've survived. If you die, you've conquered death. Either way, you're going to get to the other side. So what are you letting hold you back? There's nothing to be afraid of. 
but ourselves. We're afraid of ourselves and we've got to just persevere through who we are to get to the other side. Yes, we are so resilient. So much so I actually have a tattoo on my wrist that says resilient just to remind me every day. (laughs) And, you know, kind of what you just said reminded me of this thing that I heard of like, worrying about life and everything that's going to happen. It's like, oh, so you want dead people's problems. It's like the only way for us to not worry about life and what's going to happen and this, that, and the other is to literally just not exist and, and be dead. And so what I've come to realize is living is really being a vessel for experiences, good and bad. And the bad is inevitable. It's going to happen. So we have to enjoy the good while it lasts, while it's here, try to find the good. And just know that life is about being a vessel for experience, good and bad. And then, yeah, if we don't want to play the game, then that's dead people's problems. And we definitely, you know, we don't want that. Definitely don't want, you know, suicide per se or anything like that. But like those things are coming for us as mortals, like death is an inevitable part of life. And so let's enjoy it while we're here. And remember that that is the trade-off. That is the cost of life is that we get the good and the bad and that we can experience both until it's no longer a problem. Absolutely. And I, I love how you said that because I never even thought about it like that. You want dead people problems, <laughs> you, you know? And, my, and that's why I say I'm a life enthusiast. I love life. Life yeah. is so awesome. It's so great to just be able to live and to breathe the air and to just see the trees and the grass and to experience different places and, and to see the vastness of all of it. And we often are not mindful and we get in our cars and we just drive and we could drive by the same thing a hundred times and never notice it. Mm-hmm. And then when you open your eyes and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was there. How long has that been there? It's been there the whole time you just have opened your eyes and started to realize it. And that's about life. We have to open our eyes and start to realize who we are internally and appreciate that no matter where we are, no matter what we come from, no matter what we're doing, nobody is greater than anyone else. No one is lesser than anyone else. We are the best that we are in ourselves. And that's who we need to strive to be. And so That's what I try to teach. And that's what I try to live by. And so, yes. So if people wanted to work with you, you know, where can people find you? Well, I have a website. It is yourfullmindlife.com. And so you can go to the website and you can fill out a contact sheet and it'll come directly to me. Or um, there is another site that is the-mindful.com dash coach dot life hub.com and you can get a free one hour consultation and um, you can also get that from my website or from Facebook or Instagram and you can reach me at Tanika Elsteens at your full mind life dot com with an email you can contact me at any time about anything I have um, appointments that I have scheduled it says um, ask the coach you can get a 15 minute appointment with me just to ask me questions Or you can do a one hour free consultation to see if you would like to try a life coach or to just um, shoot some things around. And I do life strategic plans with people. And so in that one hour, we can sit down and we can map out a strategic plan for your life that it's not going to be the whole thing in an hour. But we can go through a short thing of like a little life map and then see if that's something that you want me to work with you with. And if not, 
it's yours free and you can take it and you can utilize it from that point on. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for sharing. And this has been such a wonderful interview and I appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and experience. And I know it's going to help so many people. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Melanie, so much as well. And it's, you know, this really helped give me a sense of release and release. And so I thank you for allowing me to be on your show. Of course. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You do the same. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.